Thank you, Dave, for uh, leading us in prayer. If you have a Bible, if you want to open up to Psalm 84. You have Psalm 84 this morning. Psalms are in the middle of the Bible. If you open it up, you should get there. Proverbs to the right and Job to the left. Does everyone love a good campfire? You don't have to answer that question. <laughs> maybe some of you don't, maybe you don't like to smoke. I love a, a good campfire. Uh, truth be told, I'm a bit of a pyro. Um, I love to just chop more wood and just keep pouring it on and just seeing that fire get bigger and bigger. And uh, at times, though, if you don't keep adding fuel to it, right, it just starts to wane. It starts to uh, just disappear on you. And I, and I think sometimes our, our faith is like that. Our faith is like a fire. And for some, some of you, your, your fire, your faith in the Lord is burning bright. And for, for others, it's just kind of, it's at the embers stage. And for others, maybe it's, it's in between. My prayer today as we're in Psalm 84 is that our, our heart's desire for God would increase. That if our desire for God is aflame, uh, this, this psalm, going in this psalm, Psalm 84, would be like pouring gas upon uh, the, the flame of our desires for God. That is my, that's my prayer. As we look on and meditate upon uh, this psalm, we're going to see uh, the psalmist longing after God, desiring for Him. And I, and I pray that it can shape our lives, that, that as the psalmist longs after and desires God, so we also would actively desire and long after God and who He is. So as we, as we read Psalm 84, if you want to stand with me this morning, as we read God's Word. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. Psalm 84, I've titled it Desiring God. That's what I think is the main theme running throughout. The psalmist desiring God kind of outline where we're going to go this morning. I hope that we can see that desire for God leads to praise. The desire for God leads to actively pursuing worship with His people. Desire for God leads to prayer and desire for God leads to heart change. 
and God's blessing. As you can see, this, this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah, they appear in a number of different places in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles 20.19, they are temple singers. Uh, so they, they're a group of them who had sing songs to the Lord. They're also gatekeepers at the temple. That would that'd be a job that they have, descendants of them would have. And they, they write a number of psalms within the scripture. So just, just think, also Psalm 84 has with it this, this desire, this, this bent towards going to the temple. So just thinking about the temple, the desire to go there. Uh, this is kind of some background info. Deuteronomy 16, 16 and 17. Moses wrote this before the people went into the land. God kind of commanded this of the people. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover we know it as. At the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. At the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord, your God, that he has given you. And so three times a year, all the, all the males and, and still sometimes the females and children would come and they'd make their way to the temple. And so that's what this psalm is, this desire of this, this guy, one of the sons of Korah, to go to the temple to worship. We don't know which festival it is. Uh, it might be the Feast of Booths, but it's just longing to go with God's people to God's temple. And a, and a kind of a big thing to, to grasp as we think about it, just think about the temple. It was built by Solomon. Uh, it was a place of worship. There was this big bronze altar in front of it where people would bring the animal sacrifices, the priests would sacrifice before the Lord to deal with sin, for thanksgiving, uh, and offering what God had blessed them with. They would give back to, to the Lord. And then also the priests would also go into the holy place and in there, there was another altar, a smaller one, the altar of incense. And they'd burn incense before the Lord, like prayers rising up before God. And then in, on the other side of this altar of incense, there's a big curtain, right? In the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God dwelled. His presence was there. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God was. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. And then as, as Israel and Judah split for Judah, but it's a big deal. The temple was the center of their worship. So we need to grab hold of that importance even as we look at that psalm. They were focused on a place. And they're focused on a place because God was there. It's harder for us to grasp because we worship on a soccer field. <laughs> and, and we're going to leave the soccer field and go somewhere else. And so we're, we're less kind of like focused on a place as we are the people gathering, gathering everywhere. In the Old Testament... There's this longing to get to this place, the place where God was. So looking at verses 1 to 4, I want us to see a desire for God leads to praise. Desire for God leads to praise. Looking at verse 1, Psalmist wrote, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And if, if you could, if you, if you write in your Bible, and I'll, I'll keep encouraging you to do that. And I know some of you are like, man, it's a nice Bible. Like, that's okay. It's okay to write in your Bible. But if you'll notice, O Lord of hosts, this name for God. Every time we, you see a name of God, you're probably like, well, what does that mean? And notice the number of different names of God that appear in this psalm. So you could highlight that. You could circle it. The Lord of hosts, one commentator says this. It's a title that speaks of God's transcendent sovereignty over all he has made. 
Another commentator says, Yahweh is the Lord of hosts. He's the Almighty. He's the great King. And He has at His command innumerable heavenly hosts, reflecting the glory and splendor of His undisputed Lordship. He's the commander of all powers in heaven and on earth. His battles always win Him victory. That's the name that we see there, the Lord of hosts, or, or the God of angel armies. It's repeated a number of times in this psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And it's like almost this, the psalmist is having this reflection on who God is and then his desire to go with God's people and worship him. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. All through this week as I've been working through this psalm, I keep, every time I get to verse 2, I have to ask myself, does my soul long for the Lord? And I can't always say yes. But I love, I love what we see in the psalmist. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. There, his yearning was, was for God. His yearning was for the temple. His yearning was to be with God's people. It was the same writer, the sons of Korah, also has the same kind of excitement in Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 2 writes, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and befear, appear before God? In verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How it goeth a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude keeping festival. In Psalm 42, we see that same desire, but Psalm 42, it's actually someone who's downcast, who's depressed. And trying to remind themselves that they're down in the dump, like hope in God. But Psalm 84 has none of that. Just a strong desire to be with God's people. It's full of joy. Full of passion. I want us to see, even as we look at the psalmist's desire, desire affects our heart and our praise. Again, look, my, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Again, another name for God, the living God. The one who is himself alive and the source of all life. But a question for me and for you, what if, you're, what if our souls don't long to be with God? Just think, like, how are our affections shaped? How are our desires shaped? I think ultimately, like, if you think, how do we affect what we think and what our hearts feel, it's, it's ultimately it's by our eyes and our ears. They're kind of the gatekeepers of our affections. The things that we see, the things that we hear, the things that we do. And if you think about this, friends, we will not have a longing for God if we're fulfilled by other things. We will not have a longing for God if we're fulfilled by other things. Uh, just yesterday I was with some friends uh, for a delicious barbecue. And they, they spent like, I guess, five and a half hours smoking the ribs. And there was like ribs, and there was salad, and there was baked beans, and there was ribs. And there was also ribs. Like, it was, it was so good. It was so delicious. But what if I had an anticipation waiting for the meal, just had like a big bag of chips. And I'm like, I'm just going to have, you know, it's going to open up. I'm just going to have one. I'm just going to have another. And then I ate the whole bag of chips. I didn't. But, you know, if I did, and if I ate the whole bag of chips and I went, and there's like this delicious spread laid out, and it, and it looks, it doesn't even look good to me, because I'm full. 
That's what it can be like uh, if, if we fill our desires with other things, with things of the world, it'll kill our longing, our desire to be with God. Just, just friends, I don't know if we realize that there's this competition for our desires, for our heart, for our affections, between the world and God. The world is always telling, like, this will fulfill you. Like, pour your life into this. This will satisfy you. And if, even if we start to just take a little bit, a little bit, man, we'll have a lot less longing for who God is. So again, we just need to think, like, what is it we put in front of our eyes and our ears, the things that you do and spend your time on? And just ask, ask ourselves, does it increase our desire for God or does it diminish our desire for God? It's kind of like a quick, quick test. If I'm doing these things, if I'm pouring my life in these things, or just spending time watching or listening, does it increase my desire for God? Okay, like, good, yeah, like, keep, keep doing it. If it diminishes my desire for God, I want to be with Him less, with His people less, maybe I should, I should step away from that. I should run from that. And just a point that I would make, you pull out through the rest of the psalm, just think, like, what increases our desires for God? One, I think gathering with God's people increases our desires for God. You could even have less, like, ah, I don't know if I want to go or not. And you go and you, you see that person next to you, like, belting out praises to God. Or you know what this other person's going through, and they're like, man, they're at church. They're putting their hope in God. Like, that's greatly encouraging. What can also affect our affections, the preaching of God's Word, the reading of God's Word. To grab hold of our heart, and affections, singing praise songs to the Lord. For sure, as we're gathered together or individually apart, like small group ministry, again, the smaller gathering of God's people to encourage our affections, to long after God. I think just creation, as we looked at last week, just being out and just taking, beholding the beauty of God's creation, it can kind of stir our affections like, wow, there's a creator. He made everything, it's very beautiful. And have a longing after God. And actually, I think a significant one, not one we desire after, which increases our longing for God, is suffering. It's not one we're like, man, I just, I'm going to go head towards it. No, we don't. But as we experience suffering, as we experience our comfort disrupted, as we experience things taken out of our life, or pains put into our life, it actually increases our longing, our desire for God. And we have to actually, in the midst of that, ask God to sustain us, help us through. But that's a good thing. That we would actually like desire this world and all of its things less and desire God more. We see this in, in verse 2. This psalmist longing for God. And so he continues on. He continues thinking, meditating upon being with God in verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home to swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars or Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Even the, the bird finds a home. Even the sparrow, like that they would maybe make their nests, nests in some like nooks and crannies, not on the altar because they wouldn't last too long. There's a big, big flame. But you just think that even the sparrow finds a home. Reminder what Jesus said in Luke 12 verse 6 he said are not five sparrows sold for two pennies at that time and not one of them is forgotten before God like God cares for even those little birds even little birds find a place of peace 
at God's temple. And what does he say? He says in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, right? His longing, his direction of his heart is looking towards the temple. He's thinking about God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I was thinking, I'm like, well, who is an example of that? And actually, I was brought to the New Testament. We maybe read this at the time of Christmas or shortly after, Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses 36 to 38, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, it seems like she was a widow for a long time. And this was what she did. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She's an example of those who would be dwell in God's house, ever singing His praise. And she was so blessed, Anna, is that she's there day and night singing God's praise, praying and fasting. She sees baby, the baby Jesus as He comes to the temple. But you just think, so the, the sons of Korah, is actually, he's actually thinking about being physically in the temple. If we were to think spiritually, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. How are we going to get to God's house? I think first off, you see the end of verse 3. We, we need to be able to say, my King and my God. We're, we're looking up to heaven. We need to say, yes, you are my King and my God. You know, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way in which to dwell in God's house. Jesus is the way in which we would put our faith and trust in Him. We would say, yes, you are my King. I'm following you. You're the ruler over my life. And those who do that would be blessed. They would dwell in God's house forever. This is the, the first time we see blessed in this psalm. It happens two more times. Blessed. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are blessed. You're, you're in a good place. There's a reason for joy. Whatever else you may be going on for you, you could have a car breaking down, you could be battling sickness, financial strain, you could be lonely, you don't, maybe you don't even know what to, you're going to do in the future, but if you're in Jesus Christ, you're blessed. You're blessed. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I want you to see that desire for God leads to praise, leads to song. I'm wondering, do you have a song in your heart, a song you want to sing to the Lord? Not always, but often in a week, there's a, like a certain song I'll have on my phone, like repeat, repeat. And I'm just like, I don't know, it resonates with me. I'm singing it to the Lord. It is a blessing. Desire for God leads to praise. We see this Revelation 5, 9. Jesus in heaven and, and the saints gather around. They sing a new song to the Lord. Singing is a part of being with God. I know, you know some people are like, oh, I'm not the best singer. But the thing is, in, in heaven, we're going to be before God, before the throne. And you won't be able to stop from singing songs to Him. And the thing is, whatever your tone or octave is, it'll be perfect. That's the problem. We're just missing all the rest of the saints. That's sometimes you're like, man, it sounds a little off. It's just because we need everyone in the future, in heaven. 
But I want you to see desire for God leads to praise. May God increase our desire for Him today, even as I preach. And of course, this section ends with Selah. I pause. Think about that. Perhaps we, we need that in more parts of Scripture, maybe more parts of our lives. We need to like go through something like Selah. Pause. Think about that. I want us to see in verses 5 to 7 how a desire for God leads to actively pursuing worship with His people. You can have verse 5, it said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Blessed are those who strength of you. The second time we see the ble- a blessing here, for those who find their strength in God, really, so physically finding their strength in Him, like every breath, health, everything that's a gift from God. You think spiritual health, courage, conviction, it, it comes from the Lord too. And you're blessed. Verse 5 can be translated a couple different ways. We have in the ESV, blessed are, are those who find their strength in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Another translation like the New Living Translation, it says, Yes, what joy to those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And what, what's happening here, what they're trying to translate is like the, the intent behind the psalmist. The, the desire is to get to Jerusalem. The desire is to be with God's people. Whether in their heart they have a highway to get there, or they, they, they desire to be on the pilgrimage, the group of people that would gather three times a year to go to Jerusalem. They're like in their heart, in their mind, they're like, oh, can I be part of that group? Like that's what is being said in verse 5. Desire to be with God's people, a desire to worship Him. I don't know if you've ever been with people. It can happen with my kids. It probably happens with me, right? You're with someone, but they're not really there with you. They're like daydreaming, right? You're talking to them, and they're kind of like looking off into space. We can do that for all sorts of things. I see some people getting nudged. I think we're all guilty of it. But what if, what if, as we're doing that, as we're like daydreaming, I think what happens with the psalmist, what I pray would happen to us, he's like this longing to be with God's people. Like that's what he's distracted about. He's like, oh, if I could just, I, if I could just be with them on the pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. That's what he's thinking about. That's what's distracting him. Even if you think about the psalms are in a sense in answer to that. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Highways to get to God. The Psalms can be that for us. An active path to, to get to the Lord. In verse 6, he continues thinking of these pilgrims, thinking of these people heading to Jerusalem. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. And this, this verse can be translated a couple different ways. What is the valley of Baca? It could be translated tears. I don't think it's tears. I think this verse is doing a comparison. I think it's an actual place that people would pass through on their way to Jerusalem. And it seems to be a dry place. Right? A kind of place within the desert. As they go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Even though they go through this dry place, the people of God, in anticipation of worshiping God, they make a dry place a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Charles Spurgeon says, God gives to His people the supplies they need 
while traversing the roads which he points out for them. <laughs> Were there no natural surprise from below, the pilgrim found an abundant compensation in waters from above. Just think, God can make a place of water, a spring, a place of flourishing where there is a dry place. And, and like, you're like, well, you're spiritualizing that. But I think that actually happened to the people as they're making their way through. Here's a dry place. God can make it a place of springs. But you think for any of us in dry places or dry seasons, God can make it a place of abundance. Just take your... Just take you to or just read for you Isaiah 40 verses 29 to 31. God gives strength to the weary, to the hurting, to those who are dry. Isaiah 40 verses 29 to 31 says this. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint. I think we see the psalmist describing that these people who are making their way to Jerusalem and they're going through these hard places, God sustains them. He makes the dry places, places of blessing. Even as we see there, going back to the psalm in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Strength to strength, they're going to God and the strength comes from God. To get to God. Of course, the psalmist's focus was on the temple. That was the destination. That's where all the people are going. Their heart desire was to get there because God was there. For the Christian, the heart desire is God in heaven. Right? We desire like one day we'll be there. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more brokenness. There'll be more no pain, no more suffering. We have this longing, this desire to get there. But well on earth... Our desire is to be with God, to be with God's people. As a Christian, we just have this, this natural desire. And some people say, yeah, I love, I love God, but I hate the church. It doesn't make any sense. It's a contradiction. Jesus is Jesus' bride. Right? I can never say to someone, I meet, I meet them. Like, I talk to the husband, hey, you're great, but your wife's terrible. And we're going to have a good relationship. No, like the relationship's going to end. I've got to be ducking. Rightly so, right? And so if you're like, yeah, I love God, you will love God's people. And you'll, you'll desire to be with them. Whether it's gathering as a church, gathering for a, a prayer meeting. In the future, again, gathering in small groups. Even getting together for a barbecue. It's a blessing. Just a question for you. Seeing here that the desire for God leads to uh, actively pursuing worship with God's people. Is a gathering with God's people a priority in your life? And is it a joy? I know summer is, summer is like the wild, wild west. Like people are coming, they're going, we're on holidays, the sun's shining. We're in different directions. But as the fall comes, as we return to more of a routine... Just encourage you, will you make like the worship, the gathering of God's people and worshiping the Lord a priority in your life? And if you're coming, you're like, yeah, this is my church family, this is my home, then will you, will you join in a small group and say, yeah, I want to be with the fellowship of the saints throughout the week. That's something I want in my life. Because I desire God. I want to increase my desire 
for the Lord. That's not only it. It's like sometimes we don't have that desire, but then going and being with other people. And they have that desire. And it just kind of like encourages you. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'll talk to people and just their fire for the Lord, like just their excitement. Just gets, it gets me excited. I'm like, yes, I want to run after God even more. So just in- encourage you to think through that. Is that a priority in your life? Gathering with God's people. Continuing on verses 8 to 9. We'll see the desire for God leads to prayer. Desire for God leads to prayer. Don't our praises often lead to prayers? As we fix our, fix our minds and hearts on who God is, it's natural then to turn to Him to prayer. So almost in the middle, as he's reflecting, as he's thinking, verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Like even in the middle of his prayer, he just stops. Pauses. I, I need to do that more in my prayers. I'm too often like, okay, Lord, help me with this. Lord, this is going on. I need to like stop more. Just pause before God. And so he goes on, and who does he pray for? He prays for the king. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear. O God of Jacob, behold our shield. O God, look on the face of your anointed. He's, he's talking about the king. He's praying for the king. Like, God, watch over the king. Keep him. We're not sure which king it was at this time. Mark Vitale writes this, The principal human agent during the monarchy was the king, the Lord's anointed, the representative of the people. And friends, you just think about us in terms of our Christian faith. In Canada, we don't have a king, but as Christians, we have a king, Jesus Christ. He's the ruler of our lives. We don't pray for Him, we pray to Him. And we can pray to the Father because of Jesus Christ, the King, died on the cross for our sins, made a way for us to be right with the Father. That's an amazing thing. He is our shield. He is our hope. And not only do we like, you know, you pray to the Father, you pray in Jesus' name because you can go to the Father because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then also Jesus, our King, is at the right hand of the Father and He's praying for us. He's praying for us, each one of you, right now. But a question, does your praise, does your desire for God, does it lead you to Jesus in prayer? All of these questions I've been asking myself, and I, I keep praying, Lord, increase my desire for you. Looking at verses 10 to 12, I want us to see our desire for God leads to heart change and God's blessing. Verse 10, maybe the most well-known verse within this psalm. For a day in your course is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I think that is one of those verses, man, we should hide in our hearts. And maybe we already do know that because of certain songs that we sing. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And we should wrestle through that. Is that true? Like when we say, yeah, yeah, I'd way rather be with God, with His people, than a thousand other places. And even what, what that saying is, I would rather be a doorkeeper. And even it's like, 
maybe better translated, I'd rather be on like the threshold of the door. Like I'm just entering in, I'm just standing there. Like there's God's people, like I'm in. And just like, I'm just barely in. But I'd rather just be barely in with God's people than right smack dab in the middle of wickedness. Whatever else is happening there. Like that's what the psalmist is saying. If we think about it, if there was this great banquet with gold cups and like you're sitting on ivory chairs and the cups all have diamonds and it's a feast with the best food in the world and the best entertainment in the world. But God's not there. Or, or you could be in prison. You could have like rough, moldy bread in a rusty cup with dirty water. But God's with you. What, which would you choose? The psalmist is like, oh, I'm, I'd way rather be there with God. I'd way rather be there with God. What's, where, where's the happiest place on earth? It's not Disney. <laughs> For many reasons, but it's not Disney, it's with God's people. I think that's the happiest place on earth, with God's people. I think Moses is a great example of this. Of saying, hey, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Just draw your attention to Hebrews. Hebrews 11, looking at verses 24 to 26. Of course, Moses, right, he, he grew up, he, he was found by the Pharaoh's daughter, he was a Hebrew baby, and he got raised in Pharaoh's house. And this time in Egypt, it was, Egypt was the richest nation on earth, it was the most powerful nation. So he grew up with the best of the best, the best training, in the best household, with the best food, with the best education. But then God called him out. It says this about Moses. In Hebrews 11, 24. By faith, Moses, when he had, was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses had it all. If he just stayed in Egypt... He just keeps taking in everything. He's like, no, I'm not in Egypt. I'm with God's people. I'm going to suffer with God's people. Better is one day in your courts than a thousands elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Charles Spurgeon says this, God's worst is better than the devil's best. Like that's what's being said here. We see this, this same kind of heart longing in other places in Scripture. Psalm 73, 25 to 26, the psalmist writes, Whom have I in heaven but you, and there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. What else do I have on earth? If you have God, you have everything. Think about it being in Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Philippians 3, 8. I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Like everything else that you could gain, that you could have in terms of success, that you could buy, that whatever it is, not saying it's all bad, but if you put it all against the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, 
It's all loss. So friends, do we have that heart attitude? Do I have it? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. If we do, it'll change how we live, how we spend our time, how we orient our priorities each day, each week. I remember after becoming a Christian, I used to get in all types of trouble, and I was, I was with some friends, and it was the one guy's birthday, and they're like, come, come be the DD. So I, I didn't drink. I was like, oh, okay, I'll come with you guys to Boston Pizza for a bit, say happy birthday. And I went, and they kind of they were drinking. They're like, "Well, just take us, take us to the bar." Like, ah, I don't really want to go to the bar. I can't really. Like they convinced me, you know, they're a little inebriated, had liquid courage, and so they convinced me to take them. And I went, and I, I couldn't step foot in. I've been there before. I I've wasted time there before as a Christian. I, I couldn't keep going. I'm like, "Hey, you guys gotta get a taxi. Have a good night." Because I'm not going into the bar with you. I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell right in the middle of the tents of wickedness. Right? Like if you have that hard attitude, it's going to change. I can go here. I can't go there. I want to be about this. I'm not going to be about that. It'll change how we live, how we act. Verse 11. Psalmist continues for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. He's a sun and a shield. Think of a sun. We, we talked about last week a little bit. It gives us heat and light. God provides for us physically through the sun. And spiritually gives us heat and light. He's a shield. He's protection. He keeps us safe. He watches over us. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Other translations, He gives grace and glory. God blesses His people. And He says this, No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or those who walk with integrity. Thinking about what kind of person that is, what does that look like? Someone who's, who's honest, who's trustworthy, who doesn't talk behind people's backs. He's the same person alone as they are with others. Right? Like they, they don't like change. Or with this group, they talk about this and they... They, they say they're all about this, and they go to this group, and they say the opposite. No, someone who's, who walks with integrity, someone who, who walks uprightly. I don't know about you, though, as I, as I read that and I know myself, we don't walk uprightly perfect. We don't always walk with integrity. That's why we need God's help. We see the call that's put in our lives. That's why we need Jesus. So we can walk uprightly. So we can walk with integrity. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be changed from the inside out. That we would have His strength. That we would be able to walk uprightly. We would be able to walk differently. I just want you to see here how the different ways in which we walk can, can strengthen our desire for God. If we... We walk with integrity by God's Spirit. We're, we're pleasing to God. We're blessed. And if you're walking with integrity by God's Spirit, then you can have an increasing desire to walk with God's people and gather in places of worship. And if you're like, you're like, man, I really want to walk with integrity, but if you're like, my first step is to go walk with God's people and to go to places of worship, 
that's going to encourage our hearts than to walk with integrity and walk uprightly. And they kind of feed off one another. As God is at work in our lives. But both of those ways were blessed. Like, do we believe that no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly? Sometimes we can think that maybe following God, it costs us good things. And the good things in quotation marks. And there's maybe experiences. Ah, because I'm following God. I don't know if I can go do this one thing. Or, or maybe opportunities or relationships. Have you ever heard, like, doesn't God just want me to be happy? Yeah, exactly. It's like, ah, no, yes. No, God wants you to be holy. He wants you to be holy by His Spirit. But yes, in the sense that we see, and we're going to look at it a third time, it says blessed. You're blessed if you walk up, brother. You're blessed if you gather with God's people. This word bless means a heightened state of happiness and joy. It's implying very favorable circumstances and enjoyment. It's greater than happiness to be blessed by God. I just want, I just want to testify too. We see no good thing to see withhold from those who walk uprightly to like the next generation, to those who are younger to us. And I'll share the older saints could tell the next generation too. He doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't hold any goodness back as we follow Him. We don't get everything we want. Nothing works out always according to plan. But He does not hold anything back of those who say, Yeah, I want to follow God. I want to walk after His ways. He provides what you need when you need it. He provides the people you need around you when you need them. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's lonely. But I just want to tell the next generation, younger people, that you put your faith and trust in Him. It's true. No good thing does He withhold from you. The blessing of following God. And I, I, we need older saints in the Lord to continue to tell the next generation of the truth of that. Encourage them on. The psalmist ends with verse 12. Again, this name of God, O Lord of hosts, bless is the one who trusts in you. Again, this is the third time we see that term, blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Verse 4, verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And verse 12, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessing upon blessing. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. We can trust God for today. That's, that's, that's easy. We can trust Him for the month to come. Starts to get maybe a little harder, whatever you're reading the news, whatever you're looking at. We can trust Him for what, whatever comes in the fall. Whatever's coming in the year, we can trust God. And friends, it says if you're trusting in God, you are blessed. And friends, do you see who God is? All the different names of God revealed here in Scripture. The Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, the one who sovereignly rules over heaven and earth, who always has the victory. We can trust Him. The King, the living God. Trust Him more. Did, did you see the psalmist's desire for God? Again, a desire for God, it leads to praise. I pray, well, does God give you a song? Sing it to the Lord in this week to come. 
Desire for God leads to actively pursuing worship with His people. I would encourage you to make gathering with God's people a priority. Desire for God leads to prayer. Let our desires for God overflow from praise to prayer, looking to Jesus Christ. And friends, our desire for God leads to heart change. Like, as God works in us by His Spirit, and we start to walk differently. We're blessed by God. Oh, may God increase our desire for Him. If you want to bow with me, I'll close this time in prayer. Oh, Holy Father, Lord, seal this word in our hearts, and even as we, as we read of this increased desire from the sons of Korah, I pray you would do that in our lives. Even as we, we read of the longing and fainting to be with you, Lord, to be with your people, I pray you would transform us in that way. I pray, God, that we would have greater wisdom and discernment to see the things that diminish our longing for you, Lord. Help us by your Spirit to turn away from those things. And then help, help us have increasing heart desire to be with your people, to be singing praises to your name, Lord. God, do that in us. Increase our desire for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.